The Guardian. Support for this Guardian podcast comes from Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes creating a professional website for your business, personal brand or portfolio so easy it's newsworthy. Go to squarespace.com and use the offer Guardian to get 10% off. Hello, I'm John Plunkett and welcome to Media Talk. On this week's show, it's farewell Maria Miller as the Culture Secretary calls it quits over the expenses row. Plus, Comedy Central takes on Will Ferrell's Funny or Die, but will it be a laughing matter? As if that's not enough, we also run the rule over the BAFTA TV and Radio Academy nominations. This is Media Talk from The Guardian. And joining me this week are Lisa Campbell, former broadcast editor and now director of the Guardian Edinburgh International TV Festival, and Sam Delaney, newly anointed digital editor-in-chief at Comedy Central UK, which eagle-eyed listeners may notice relates to one of the stories at the top of the show. But which one? Find out later. Welcome both. How are you? I'm well, thank you, John. Very exciting new job, Sam. Yeah, exciting. Sorry, it um, waylaid me, but it's so busy that I was 11 minutes late here. So it just goes to show no one ever said it was going to be easy. Uh, and Lisa, you've got a new-ish job, I guess. You know, how many yes. weeks or months has it been? Uh, it's about a month, I think, yes. And very busy too. We've got, uh, well, we've just announced two new sessions. The opening session is uh, Keith Lemon going through the keyhole with the controllers. So I'm very excited about that. We all want to see how the other half live, and we've heard yeah. a lot about their luxurious lifestyles. So. That's a great idea. This is the kind yeah. of comedy, you know, Strictly Come Dancing style, sort of, you know, spoofy thing at the, at the yeah, top. Yeah, the comedy the opening, yes. Yeah. yeah. And then on a more serious note, we've got a return to the great commissioning debate that was last year. So commissioning survey, the sort of bias supplier relationship and what's going wrong or what's improved, hopefully, this year. You've got everything covered there. You've got, you know, the, 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 the high art, the serious public service stuff. And you got the stuff that people come along and watch. Exactly. <laughs> Job done. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, we look forward to that. Is it August Bank Holiday as, as ever? Uh, of course just it is. Before, yes. Right, marvellous. Mm. Uh, much more of that later. And also all the news from Comedy Central Towers, where Sam's Lane, you've got a massive office, Sam. Open huge, plan? Absolutely huge, with a uh, um, duck pond and a moat. Uh, well, that leads us on to MPs, kind of, uh, Duck House. Uh, not that she claimed for one. But the big news is that Maria Miller has resigned as Culture Secretary following mounting controversy over her expenses. You'll remember, or you probably will, she was ordered by the Common Standards Committee to repay £5,800 in overclaimed mortgage interest and say sorry on the floor of the House. But there was criticism that the amount of money she paid back wasn't enough, and more importantly, uh, that uh, the apology she gave, well, it was a bit short and, uh, you know, didn't quite strike the right tone. David Cameron stuck by his minister, telling the press last week to leave it there. But Miller on Wednesday decided enough was enough. She told the PM that the controversy had become a distinction from the vital work this government is doing. It certainly filled a few front pages, that's for sure. We're joined to talk about this by Roy Greenslade, who is a professor of journalism at City University and, of course, a regular Guardian columnist. Roy, what did you make of it? I think it was inevitable uh, that she would have to go. The pressure was unrelenting. Uh, but it wasn't just press pressure. It wasn't that famous media witch hunt, which some of her supporters have suggested. It was clear from the opinion polls, uh, from the letters to editors, from the online comments below stories, um, that this was public review revulsion at, at the idea both that she was seeming to get away with the whole business of needing to pay back money, irrespective of whether it was 45000 or 5800 Just the fact that she'd got this expenses problem was enough. Um, so that was the first thing. And I think the failure to apologise properly, she didn't realise that that would play so badly, uh, and nor did the Prime Minister. So I, I think it was just simply in the end, and I know this is a strange thing to say, I think it was the will of the people that brought her down. 
And this whole thing, Roy, it's been slightly unusual in the sense that it's, it's all been wrapped up in, in Leveson and press regulation, not just because that's her patch as culture secretary, but when the Telegraph first broke the story uh, some time ago, there was the suggestion from her office that, you know, they should lay off because she's in charge of regulation. And then towards the end, uh, you know, some of her, her supporters were saying, oh, the press are only chasing her because she is in charge of Leveson and press regulation. So it, it was a strange one, wasn't it? Yes. And I think that muddied the waters somewhat. I mean, if you look back at the Daily Telegraph's first breaking of the expenses story, that had nothing to do really uh, with Leveson at all. It was just a damn good story which had gone back a long way. And then once they got onto the particular specific business of Miller's expenses, it was as if there was an attempt to say this is not a valid story. It's only being pursued because she has supposedly some power of oppressed regulation. By the way, I'd even dispute that she had that power. She wasn't responsible for the Royal Charter idea. That was Oliver Letwin. Clearly, this was being run mostly anyway by David Cameron, as far as the Tories were concerned. So her power in that respect was really never proven. And so this was a very clumsy, crude attempt by one of her special advisors to try and head the telegraph off at the pass. But the problem, John, the problem with this is that the rest of the press then decided it must be something to do with Levison. And I think that they have uh, been wrong about that. This was a straightforward story of a minister of the crown uh, being caught in an embarrassing situation over unpaid uh, expenses and false accounting. And that really was the central story, not Levison. Okay, well, Roy, I've got uh, Sam Delaney and Lisa Campbell here with me uh, in the studio. What, what did you chaps think? I mean, was she right to go? Did you see it? Roy, Roy says it wasn't a, a witch hunt by the media. What, what did you make of it? I, I think she was right to go. I think the, the problem of you know, one committee saying one thing and then another coming in and saying, oh, actually, she only has to pay 5000 I think that just really, really angered the public who, who it just felt, you know, it was this sort of smug club and it was letting her off. I think sort of looking back at her at her legacy, sort of media-wise, I, I don't think she's had a, a huge impact, um, you know, as, as other um, culture secretaries have had. Um, I know Chris Smith was was sacked, but People spoke very highly of him. He was really engaged in the industry and very accessible. Um, I think James Pennell was the same. And Jeremy Hunt, actually, to, to some extent. My, my impression of Maria Miller is she actually didn't enjoy engaging with journalists. Any any event that she was ever at, she always hot-footed it straight to a waiting car and, and didn't sort of, you know, engage and, and do any sort of Q&A. So I feel it's, it's very hard to comment on her because I feel I really didn't know her and didn't really know what she stood for and what she was trying to achieve. Yeah, Roy, talking about the legacy there, is there one as, as far as the media goes? I mean, the, the Guardian's Nicholas Watt today said that, you know, she might come across as pedestrian and unremarkable, but it, but it masked a, a tough inner steel. But, but maybe media watchers w- wouldn't have seen that. I mean, and you suggested maybe she wasn't even central to, to Leveson. Oh, I don't think she was an important culture secretary. I, in fact, I think if you look at her record, um, it's pretty ordinary. Uh, I think um, Nicholas Watt might talk about steel, but I think she was merely stubborn. And I don't think that she excelled uh, as a minister in any way. If you look at the record of the ministry, I think that Ed Vasey, her junior minister, did much more than she did the creative industries. As I said, Oliver Letwin really ran the uh, press regulation task. What else has she achieved? Not very much. I think that she did pursue some of the policies laid down by Jeremy Hunt. But again, that wasn't on her initiative. So 
it is even more baffling, given her pretty ordinary track record as a minister, that David Cameron would have invested so much political capital in trying to keep her. I think that's true, that Ed, Ed Vasey's got a much high, uh, higher profile within the media industry than, than Maria Miller has, and he's, he's very involved at the moment on the whole issue of diversity and holding a, a series of roundtables and, and really sort of pushing on that and making himself, um, you know, really putting his neck on the line with that, actually. But her successor, uh, Roy, it w- will not be Ed Vasey, but it's going to be Treasury Minister uh, Sajid Javid, who we find a lot more about in the next few days no doubt yes a straight uh, I, uh, it's a strange choice i would definitely have gone for ed vasey myself yeah, what we do know is son of a bus driver a muslim and was a very high-powered banker who uh, depending on who you believe made a reported 20 million pounds before he quit last year and became an mp in 2010 <laughs> well uh, and the daily mail tipped him for the top <laughs> a short time ago Oh, well, we ought to be critical of somebody before they take the job i don't know much about him at all um and we'll have to see how he fits in and Sam, was it Alistair Campbell said you can only survive seven days uh, being in the headlines? And this was the, the seventh day, I think. Yeah, she had to go sooner or later. I mean, you know, Roy's talking about the pub, weight of public opinion being against her. I'm always a bit sceptical when you um, see opinion polls, particularly about whether or not an MP should resign. The intricacies of her alleged misdemeanours are rather complicated and boring. And I think that most members of the public, if you went up to them in the street and said, do you think an MP should resign? They wouldn't ask the name of the MP or the misdemeanour before saying, yes, I think they should. (laughs) Uh, And also, clearly, from what Lisa and Roy have said, it kind of reflects the fact that she wasn't popular within the media. Uh, So that didn't help. And also, because of her association with gay marriage, with the gay marriage bill, uh, Tory grandees like Norman Tebbit were very vociferous in calling for her to step down. So I hesitate to use the term witch hunt, but clearly... There weren't many things in her favour, but I don't believe that the weight of public opinion was genuinely and sincerely against Miriam Miller. I don't think many people would even be aware of what she was, uh, has allegedly done. OK, Roy, just final word to you. Uh, well, I think the signed letters to newspapers, I counted 14 last Saturday, seven in The Times and seven in The Telegraph. That's just those two papers alone. Um, these came from uh, pretty prominent people, uh, QCs. Uh, several were from um, ethics professors, I noticed, across the country. Yeah, maybe um, they don't reflect the mass working class feeling, but I think that they reflect what we might call the chattering class opinion, and that was definitely weighted, weighted against Maria Miller. OK, well, it's uh, farewell to Maria Miller and also farewell to uh, Roy Greenslade for now. <laughs> but come back soon, Roy, unlike Maria. Uh, thank you very much. Time now to tackle some of the week's other media news. And uh, Comedy Central is going to launch a British rival to Will Ferrell's comedy website, Funny or Die. The new site will feature a mixture of established and -and up-and-coming talent, as well as plundering some of Comedy Central's most popular shows. And it will be run by none other than Media Talk's Sam Delaney. Can I call you Media Talk's Sam Delaney? Yeah, go for it. Thanks very much. And uh, as you may have heard, he happens to be with us now. Uh, now, Sam, in the interest of unbiased reporting, you know, I've got to be really tough on you. So what a great idea, and you're so the man to run it. Yeah, it's fantastic, isn't it? Uh, I was a bit disappointed in your, you know, generally positive coverage in The Guardian thus far and in your introduction here, in fact, that it's being presented Uh as a rival uh, and that the whole sort of thing is being drawn up as a battle between me. Is that lazy journalism? Yeah, well, no, it's not because I would have done the same because everyone likes a conflict, obviously. But uh, the idea that I'm taking on Will Ferrell seems rather preposterous. (laughs) Unfair on Will. (laughs) It's unfair on him. Yeah, it's not a fair fight, is it? It's, it's a comedy website. It's a comedy website like them, but I wouldn't say that the agenda of my overlord, my corporate overlords at Viacom is to take down 
uh, Will Ferrell's wildly successful and high quality comedy website. Go on then, give us your agenda. What is the agenda? It's a secret agenda. <laughs> That's why no, I use not. that. Get loads of people to watch it and then I guess make them loads of money in various mysterious ways. Who knows how they make money out of these things? <laughs> uh, let me just check your job title here. Editor-in-Chief in Chief. Digital yeah. Comedy Central UK. Yeah, but, you know, if you're the editor-in-chief, your job's just to make sure it's really good and popular. And once you make it really good and popular, it's someone else's job to go and, you know... Are you close to the commercial team over get, there? Get the money in. Yeah, that's what I say to them. They go, yeah, just make it good and popular, then we'll be able to make that into money. That's the way it works. It's what it? producer Matt tells me. Yeah, exactly. One of your, your corporate overlords, as you just described them, was as in MIP this week talking about, it's Caroline Beaton from Viacom, and talking about how in the past comedy could be lost in translation, but now with, with social sharing, we're sort of you know, breaking down borders and showing things worldwide. And, and at some point, things are going to merge and we're going to have global comedy taste, oh, no. which sounds a bit scary to me. Do you, I mean, you that... know what that is? Mr Bean. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> it is. That's, that's, that's the only thing. I think Benny Hill and Mr Bean were both popular globally, weren't they? I think it's that sort of stuff. It's a lot of falling over. That kind of is, uh, but mind you, I, I you know. So can we expect a lot of that on uh, on the? Well, no. I mean, this unnamed. is just occurring to me now. But it was, no, it was a conversation I had when I first went in there, and we were talking about well, you know, obviously this is online, so it has to have a broad appeal. But you you look at a lot of great comedy, and it's rooted in you know the quintessentials of great great British comedy is often rooted in the quintessential kind of characteristics of you know the, the perennials of British society and so it's a difficult one isn't it because it, you can get so broad that it starts to lack anything distinctive you know now you're make, now you've said that Lisa I'm thinking maybe I should be commissioning more people falling over however what was interesting was you know I got some youngsters because uh, I am in contact I had some access to Under some 30s. young people yeah I had some access to some youngsters and I said, send me all the things that you and your mates have been sharing online. Dangerous, non-por- dangerous game. porn right. Anything non-pornographic that you've been sharing online that made you all laugh over you heard the back? last sort of few months. And it was, there was no comedy as such. There was nothing written. It was all basically fails, which is basically Mr. Bean, isn't it? It is falling over. It's Laurel and Hardy were, you know, doing the whole fails thing many years ago. But it's just real fails now. You can't have scripted fails. So, in a way, yeah, people falling over remains the uh, comic universal. So, will your website be called You've Been Comedy Central? Yeah. You know what? It actually will just be called comedycentral.co.uk, That's what, which actually is the, the current URL of their existing website. It will bear no relation to the existing website. Uh, so, it's just completely started all over again, but the URL will remain the same. It is going to be, you know, choking aside. Uh, it is, it's, it's a tough old mission because we've had Funny or Die launch their own UK site. Um, failed. As, uh, failed, yeah. Mm. Comedy Box, backed by failed. massively popular producer John Lloyd, etc. Yeah, et John Lloyd, yeah, exactly. If he can't do it, then who can? So how are you going to do it? Well, you know, that's what we're, we're, we're almost working it out now, aren't we, between the three of us what, as in we go podcast, along. Yes. <laughs> Certainly lots of people falling over. Funny um, cats. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, there's so many that... Um, how do you successful. differentiate yourself from you know, other sites that, you know, make a living out of doing that? Well, there's uh, a lot of original content that we're bringing over from the States, which I think is different, but it's all, you know, whether, whether it's stuff being commissioned in the States or over here in the UK, all the sort of stuff that they acquire for the UK Linear Channel, it's all guided by the same, com- by the same principles, same brand principles. It's sort of a, a broad, open kind of a comedy. You know, it's fun, it's not cynical, it's not dark sort of thing. It's something that can appeal to a very wide audience. We're bringing in lots of new shows that are wildly successful in the States but haven't been seen at all over here and will be the only place you can see them. Uh, Key and Peele and Inside Amy Schumer and Nathan For You, which are all you know multi-award winning with 
tens of millions of viewers out there in the States. So that will be a big thing for us when we launch. We're going to be harnessing a lot of great kind of YouTube comic talent, which, you know, is well known amongst sort of a young community online, but, you know, are still to be brought to a wider audience. Um, Where should listeners, uh, if they've got, you know, sketches and and funny ideas, how, how do they get in touch with you? Send them to me at Comedy Central. Um, any, more, any more than that? Any more detail? Well, you want me to a- email address sort of or your criteria. direct line? Or, I don't know. Well, yeah. Uh, well, I'm sure should, there'll be people with, you know. They should get in touch with us. You know, what's interesting as well is, is that you find new talent sometimes on just on Twitter and things like that. There's people who I've been following for years on Twitter, I think, who are hilarious, but aren't kind of, you know, professional comics. Uh, but they've got exactly the kind of... It's not just that they're funny, but they have the exact knack for delivering the kind of simple, uh, very direct kind of ideas that work and trend online very quickly so you know a lot of people we're meeting and sort of commissioning that way um, but yeah by all means I've got a Comedy Central email address and they can contact we'll stick it on the me blog. on that yeah stick it on the blog and drop me an email with your ideas Sounds like the kind of guys you have at the Edinburgh TV Festival. I'm being quite vague, but, you know, that's what you do at this stage in development. And is is your idea that that some of that talent will make the transition to TV? Is is that part, you know, you want the next girls, essentially? Perhaps so, yeah, perhaps so. I mean, you know, there'll be a lot of video content, so there's the stuff, the exclusive stuff that we've acquired from the States. Uh, We'll be using some of our British stuff as well in various forms online. I'll be commissioning original stuff, so there will be scripted things and that sort of stuff. Uh, But also there will be you know, the perennials of internet funnies on there. There will be listicles and there will be, you know, funny gifs and, and, and cat memes. Um, we're not above any of that because we want it to be one of those forums for wasting your time in a fantastic and frivolous way. And more importantly, wasting your boss's time because that's what a lot of internet comedy is all about. So we don't want it to be complicated. We want it to be inhalable comedy. Inhalable comedy. Yeah, there you go. That's your strapline. Yeah. Uh, and will it be a website? How much are you going to use YouTube and have YouTube channels all that kind of stuff? I only ask because it says here, YouTube entertainment boss Alex Carlos was talking this week about how um, um, they want uh, people on YouTube to build fan bases rather than audiences. And if you've got no idea what that means, you're in good company. But let me, t- let me uh, enlighten <laughs> a tiny bit. An audience tunes in when they're told to, he says. A fan base chooses when and what to watch, which is kind of what you're getting at. Mm. Well, we're certainly tapping. Certainly, we're certainly. The, you, I thought that was spring of debate. As, as you'll know, like uh, Viacom and and YouTube haven't been the best of friends for many years, but now they are. Now there's there's been a truce, and so you know we've got much more opportunity to engage with YouTube and utilise it. And and like I say, you know, it's been interesting meeting with the sort of people who have become kids in their bedrooms who've become huge comedy stars with millions of subscribers. On, on those channels and it's been interesting speaking to them about the sort of content that they might be able to provide us with but also just learning from these youngsters about how it is that they have managed to cultivate such huge followings that you know tv you know channel program directors would dream about and it's just one guy and his mate with a camera it's been fascinating and lisa vice media seems to be they're getting a lot of attention but also they seem to be sort of the coming place for you know online video stuff and they're really uh you know, yeah. building a huge audience and an inspiration. Lots of other media companies want to be like them, I think, right now. I think that's right. I think in, in news, we've, we've heard a lot about the impact that that's having on the traditional news providers. But um, also they're launching this new channel, aren't they, called um, Munchies. Yeah. Um, a sort of, you know, move away from dull, bland cookery shows that we see on TV into something much more exciting and accessible for younger people online. I mean, 
we've, we have got Jamie Oliver's food tube, so this isn't exactly a brand new idea. You know, it's interesting because Jamie's channel, I think, took about four years to really take off. So even though you've got quite a big name, it's been quite a slow build. But he he's famous for sort of bringing on this sort of disparate talent. And I think that's grown to the point now where they are individual voices in their own right, producing their own original content. And I think it's one of the fastest growing YouTube channels with about 600,000 subscribers. So, you know, there's clearly a market for this, but I don't think Vice are breaking the mould here as they suggest. That's the thing, as you said, but Jamie, it's a, it's a, long, it's a long-term thing, isn't it? You've got to do that. Someone said to me last week, it's a three-year plan, not a 12-month yeah, no, I thought month that was interesting in the, in the piece about Comedy Central's new website. I can't remember who it was, perhaps. Uh, it was James, James Herring. Herring saying right. that it was a three-year plan. I think that's absolutely right. Because, you know, I've, I've worked in the past on, on numerous kind of big magazine launches where you spend months in research and focus group, and so you kind of you feel as confident as possible with the exact mix of content that you require uh, from your first issue onwards. And on occasion, that's really worked with a couple of magazine launches where it's flown out of the traps because it's been so forensic. But of course, with a, a digital thing like this, you don't do all that. You launch quickly and you're much more light-footed And because it's not until you are live that you're effectively doing your research and working out what works, what doesn't work and precisely what your audience is. And for that reason, you need to give it time because you don't start le- learning the really important lessons until you're already up and running and have been for a while. Fantastic. All right, so well, good luck with that. And yeah, you're still becoming a media talk. Reassure regular oh, listeners. Yeah, all the time. Yeah, yeah, you're only around yeah. the corner. Right, okay, and moving on now. Uh, I think, well, uh, it was awards week uh, this week and last week. Uh, this week, the BAFTA TV nominations came out. And last week, it was the awards formerly known as the Sonys, and probably always will be. Uh, but now they're just the plain old Radio Academy Awards after Sony ended their sponsorship. Anyway, move on, move on. Where should we start? Telly? Start with the telly box? Uh, any any thoughts? Uh, who was rightly who who was rightly awarded for some fantastic stuff, and who was snubbed and should have been included that weren't? Well, Gogglebox is up for two nominations, isn't it? So hoping for the double whammy. Um, I think it's right that it's uh, it's nominated in the um, best reality whatever category that that new one that caused a lot of controversy when it when it first launched, and now it's like, of course, Gogglebox should win that, and it's a brilliant show, and it's brilliantly cast and and very good. And I always watch it for sort of. 10 minutes thinking I'll just give it 10 minutes and lie back on the sofa and before I know it I'm sitting at the edge of my sofa tweeting and retweeting and favoriting and really getting into it so yes <laughs> I'm a big fan of that See, I, it liked is- it, I liked it midweek but on a Friday night I really feel like I should be reward- rewarding myself with some some proper you know yeah. nutritious telly so I, I feel know. you know it's not just a guilty pleasure it's just guilty on a Friday that's true and I had a big row with my other half who was you know wanting we're still on Breaking Bad you know we should watch that and actually yeah I had a row about better. TV last did Friday you? yeah oh. not about that did you Sam? <laughs> No, I don't really right. row with Teddy. I just go along with, with whatever. My, my wife will even <laughs> watch ease up from time yeah. to time. Yeah. She'll watch what? It's only telly. We just like all the same telly. Really? That's, that's the secret of a beautiful... I actually do think that's the secret of a good marriage. Oh, God. Is if you can enjoy the same telly, then you've got time where you can just both stop talking to each other and enjoy the same thing. And then you have conversation afterwards. I've tried watching The Good Wife. I just can't get to the end of the episode. <laughs> anyway, sorry, but, I interrupted. But Box is up against, uh, in the audience award, it's a really tough category. So you have got Breaking Bad and Broadchurch and Doctor Who and, and all of that. So I think it's uh, it's not necessarily... A, Guaranteed win in that in that one. And that's the only um, that's the only BAFTA voted for by the uh, ordinary members of the public, as it that's were. That's right. Yes. As opposed yeah. to the the, people, the, <laughs> the extraordinary people. The experts, yeah. Exactly. Breaking Bad in the audience said, "Well, will there's a there's a thing, isn't it? Will has Breaking Bad got enough of a following to to beat you know a mainstream TV show to a big audience award? Yeah, I bet it won't. All these shows I that get all hip. You know, I remember like you know however many years it was six seven years ago when it was The Wire. 
that everyone was the trendy show that everyone was banging on about all the yeah. time. And it really like not least know, in the Guardian, of course. Yeah, well, but yeah, I, I wrote many of those pieces in the Guardian back in the day when you know I was interviewing Omar and Dominic West for anyone knew who they were for this very organ. Now uh, you're a oh, media yeah. talk, and I was right at the forefront of all that. Oh yeah, the words group program, but really it's like. If we ever did anything about the wire in heat, it's like people are like, what's that? No one cares about the wire. That's, that's just that's, for about 20 people. That's Heat Magazine that Sam used to edit. Yeah. Yeah. No, no uh, for older readers, yeah. listeners. And, um, and it's this, it'll be the same with Breaking there. Bad, which incidentally, I haven't seen. Sue me. Get out. That's a yeah, confession exactly. and a half, isn't it? Lisa, I keep interrupting you. Move Sorry. on. Yeah. Uh, no, I was just going to say, Graham Norton's also got two nominations. It, it, it's entertainment performance and also comedy entertainment. I think at the moment, just given how tough it obviously is to host a chat show proved by Michael McIntyre, you know, I just think Graham Norton is fantastic. He makes it look so easy. It clearly isn't. You know, people like Davina McCall have, have tried it in the past as well. And there's just something so authentic about him it really feels that you know he gets amazing guests and clearly they've got a record to flog or whatever but he you don't ever feel that you're being sold to you just feel like it's genuine entertainment and he's just a genius it's a funny old beast because some of those Graham Norton shows are fantastic brilliant aren't they the one with the the, the monuments men cast you know um, Matt Damon was it and yeah, other and, people and and Russell Crowe and Kylie last yeah. week yeah really really good but some of them are Bloody awful. I think it's, it's a real chemistry. You can tell within the first five minutes kind of, yeah. whether it's going to work. There was one with Nick Frost. I can't remember who else was on the sofa. But that was just, you know, interminable. But um, generally, fantastic show. Do you think he should present Strictly Come Dancing then, Lisa? Is he your choice? He, he possibly is. And some, someone else mentioned Julian Clary, but I just think there's, that might be... What? I, I prefer Graham Norton if you're going to go, if you're going to go camp. He's my camp choice. I think it's such a big show already and the format is so kind of overbearing and glitzy and whatever. I mean, that's the, you don't really need a star to present that as Bruce. <laughs> no offence, Bruce. Kind of showed. It's not about the presenter. Do you like Winklewonkle's understated uh, approach to it? Winkleman. What? Oh, Winkleman. No, don't get me on Winkleman. No, no, no. Don't give her the job, please. But there are no shows where it's two female presenters. I mean, Ant and Deck do everything on ITV. Why does it have to be a lead man and no, a sort agree, of yeah. a, a female underling? I, I say go stick for- with Winkleman. I'd do yeah, Tony Beak. Anton Dubeck would be my choice. Tony oh, no. Because do you know what? It's sort of unsightly the way that he's been kind of pitching for that job for so many years. You can't then give it to him. Sends that wrong message to the kids. For me, it's Winkleman. But if you have to go for a bloke, obviously it's Barrowman all the way. Barrowman? Yeah. <laughs> Two biggest stars. Well, he's got the It'll credentials. It. He's got the credentials. Rufus Hound. Oh, yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah. What, what about... Um... Uh, Vernon and, and Tess, yeah, of course. Oh, then, then you get the, uh... it's very nice. I take it back. Give, give me Claudia Winkleman. <laughs> it's now suddenly not so bad. Next up is, is the, the other half of our awards special, which Sam is making extra special, is the uh, formerly Sony Radio Academy Awards. At the risk of turning into the Sam Delaney show, your station you work for, TalkSport, is up for Station of the Year against Radio yeah. 2 and Radio 4. Well, it won that a few years ago. I think the year I joined the station, I'm not saying that that was part of the, what of the judges took into account, but it did win only two or three years ago. And it hasn't been nominated, disappointingly, for that many other awards, but it is nominated for the big one, and that's very exciting. It's up against Radio 2 and Radio 4, both of which I'm, I'm a big fan of also. But, uh, you know, it's much tougher for TalkSport. Of course, it's much tougher in the commercial uh, world, and uh, I think they're always punching above their weight and should win. Although, I'm surprised that LBC, is that because it's not, strictly speaking, a national station? I feel that I, I would have thought that that would be nailed on for a nomination in that category this year because of the amount of kind of publicity, and it seems to have kind of 
really broken out into you know being a regular part of what's going on in the news. Part of the national conversation. Yeah, Nick, yes. Fer- Nick Ferrari, who hosts The Breakfast Show, and Cool Clegg, he's up for an award. He might even be up for two, I think, yeah, I think there's several, isn't uh, in The Breakfast Award. Yeah. Mm. But no Chris Evans, Radio 2 for The Breakfast Show Award, mm. which I find uh, completely bonkers, babe. Yeah, but he is in for <laughs> Music Radio Personality of the Year, isn't he? Um, which actually, that's a really tough category. I think you've got, you've got him, you've got Christian O'Connell, Graham Norton again, my, my friend, and uh, Radcliffe and McConey, <laughs> who I love. Um, I, you know, not just because they're northern. Um, I just, I think they've got an amazing chemistry. They feel really, it's, it's an eclectic mix of music, but also the conversation is surreal. It just feels that, you know, they, they digress. It could go anywhere. Uh, the music could go anywhere. Their conversation could. And it's, and it's that sort of pub-like without being laddie. So I'm a big fan of those. But also in that category is um, Sam and Amy. They're two presenters from East Midlands Gem 106. And I believe Amy won for the breakfast show The Sony Gold last year. Amazing that they're in this category up against these big names like that. And, and brilliant to have new talent that is um, you know, being singled out and hopefully recognised and move on to bigger and better things. And also, Sam, no podcast category. So talking about uh, epic fails, perhaps you can feature that on your website. That will get a few There wasn't one last year either, but they did used to have one, didn't they? They did, but the Forward Looking Academy thought, no, it's enough of that. Just let them compete in all the different categories against them massively. So so technically the podcast can be nominated. It's just that they failed to to deliver the the, uh, requisite quality in order to make the shortlists, right? Well, were you talking about this one in particular? No, no, I'm just saying the podcasting community <laughs> generally. Exactly. But, you know, it's tough taking on, you know, enormous license fee funded rivals. Why not just let them have a bit of, you know, a bit but of... But the truth is, John, any of these stations, they've only got the same thing as you. They've got a desk over there, one producer, a microphone and some guests. And in fact, some of them don't even have guests, not in the flesh. You know, talk sport, half of them are on the line. It's the magic so radio. really, I think it's a fair comparison. These right, days, so. with the onward march, of, I don't think the money makes any difference. I, unless in BBC, because of all the marketing and promotion they do for themselves for free. Obviously, they shouldn't be considered for any awards. An interesting point. <laughs> right. Wow. <laughs> Time only uh, left for the Media Monkey Quiz, which I know uh, you're most excited about. First up, um, question number one. Uh, first, it was Piers Morgan. And now, which other Brit export to the US has had their show axed stateside? Trisha. Trisha Goddard. Did you know she was in the US? I didn't even know she was there. Again, proving the point how tough it is to do do a successful chat show and be a Brit. Yep, she was on NBC. So one point to Lisa. Question number two, and it's the first of a a two-part ratings uh, special. Uh, How many people uh, watch the series finale of The Voice? uh, Nearest wins. 7.8. Delaney? 5.6. 5.6. Oh, yeah, Delaney takes it, yeah. <laughs> Despite expressing <laughs> contempt for the question. Yeah, yeah, 6.6 million, which was down 600,000 on last year. But Kylie Minogue is not sure whether she's going to do a second series. Uh, in fact, should the BBC bother doing another series at all? Delaney. Unlikely, I suppose. Campbell. It's caused an enormous storm in the industry. Uh, entertainment producers particularly are really angry that a format has been bought in and taking up some I don't know 70% of the BBC's entertainment budget supposedly when it should be going for homegrown you know original British produced ideas so like celebrity gymnastics for instance yes (laughs) okay all right and last question how many people watched uh, I did promise you another ratings question so Sam uh, gird your loins how many people watched the return of Game of Thrones on Sky Atlantic this week oh like a million a million Sam says Lisa says uh, 900,000 uh, I think it's about, it about half a million uh, but that's only if you include because uh, they broadcast it they simulcast it uh, you know at 2am but so only 9,000 people watched it at 2am that's a. another trendy oh, programme that I got only, my zero wrong that only yeah. Guardian <laughs> readers are interested in and no one else has heard of isn't it Game of Thrones what's yeah. the new wire yeah exactly it is. Uh, it's another one I think uh, it rates better than, the, better than the wire but uh, probably yeah. yeah but still you know get the point 
Anyway, but uh, talking of points, I don't think anyone gets that point. So at the end of that Media Monkey quiz, I think it was a point each, so honours even. Mm. You left to share the sandwich. Okay, fair that, enough. That is the prize. My thanks to Sandra Laney and Lisa Campbell. And that's all we have time for this week. You can leave your comments on our blog, wherever that is, or you can tweet me at JohnPlunkett149. Media Talk is produced by Mr. Matt Hill. Thanks for listening. For more great downloads, go to theguardian.com slash audio. Support for this Guardian podcast comes from Squarespace, providing creative tools that help you bring your ideas to life. Squarespace offers free domain names, customizable designs, drag and drop tools, and 24-7 supports. Squarespace also offers seamless e-commerce solutions for you or your small business. Every design automatically includes a unique mobile experience that matches the overall style of your website, so your content will look brilliant on any device. Start your free trial today. No credit card required. As a Guardian podcast listener, you'll get 10% off your new account by using the offer code GUARDIAN.